0: So welcome to the Soul Hub podcast with myself, Carrie Davis-Monroe, and I'm delighted, fresh off the back of the Big Retreat Festival, to have with me today, finally, Kenny and I have rearranged this about three times, Kenny Marmarella de Cruz. Hello and welcome.
1: Thank you. And, you know, maybe the timing was right. Maybe we needed to physically meet first. So, so there's a different hangout buzz with us.
0: Yeah I think maybe you're right we we've all got that feeling a bit today because we had a soul hub meeting earlier we should tell everybody it's a bit like that amazing holiday that you come back from and you you know you're feeling really good but you're also feeling that you're slightly missing everyone and everything so um I think that that's really really important to say that that's what's going on with us at the moment so um so today Kenny we have got a buzz about us and we have got something going on and as I always say to people what we want to do today is get and we haven't got you know we're not going to go on for long we never want to go on for longer than say half an hour but we want to get the DNA of you (laughs) yeah you've been in Soul Hub probably one of the longest haven't you
1: Mm, probably yeah yeah
0: Yeah. Um, And not all of us have met. Not all of us have seen the wonderful gifts that we we bring. And the weekend was a fantastic chance to do that. But let's get back to, you know, there's always a reason for us being here. And we're going to get to that. But will you come back? You were telling me that. You know, most of us had quite a difficult journey and life is hard. I always say to people to expect that is anything else is is really quite surprising. Life is hard. And you were telling me that at the age of seven, you were suddenly faced with dealing with things like obsessive compulsive disorder, PTSD, OCD, Tourette's. And we're not quite sure whether it's tricholomania or trichotillomania, but a sort of pulling out of your hair so, Teddy, what was going on for you at that period of your life?
1: You know, it's only a few years ago that I thought, oh, wait a minute, maybe those things are because of PTSD. Because so I, I just never thought that I had PTSD. It didn't cross my mind. I guess my life to me then was normal because it was my experience mm. um, and busy because there was a lot to be busy about. Yeah. Um, so... On one hand, on a very basic logical level, you could say the PTSD was because my family were on the death list in Africa and we, our phones were bugged we were followed. We had to go into hiding. We had a phone call saying they were going to come kill us that night and they came a few times. Um, and then I remember my father saying to me, one day you may never see me again. Take care of your mother and brother. Because we were leaving Africa and he was supposed to be killed. Um, so that's traumatic. And then refugee camp was traumatic without him and being. Yeah, he just, can, of, I stop,
0: can I stop you right there? When you say he was supposed to be killed, what, what was going on there? Tell, tell us a bit more about what was going on there.
1: He was on the death list and they said that he was, what was it? Um, I don't remember the term, I'll remember. Um, but it was against the government. So Idi Amin took over. Mm. Um, A lot of people, he was running at that stage the parcel department for the Uganda Post Office. So he was kind of a bit of a bigwig in the post office, and there were people being beaten to a pulp um, in the post office um, for, well, a lot of the soldiers were given not just power, But drugs, you know, as soldiers are given drugs, Mm -hmm. because then they can do a lot of nasty things with without a lot of connection to what they're doing Um, and have, you know, I guess this whole power surge. And it's just kind of a ruthless, I guess, probably like lots and lots of coffee or cocaine or Red Bull or something, Mm -hmm. you know, something takes over. So there were a lot of beatings and a lot of people's lives that my father saved, not just um in the parcel department when they take them in the back room and just beat mm-hmm. the living daylights out of people. But there was a place where people would kind of disappear, never to be seen again. And there were rumours about what happened to them before they were killed, And my father went in there uh, and got some people out. So, yeah. plus, you know, he. He did a lot of good. Um, and then when he was smuggled to Italy, um, he ended up running three refugee camps there oh. and organising a hunger strike because the people who were running the refugee camps um, weren't handing over the, the the food or tobacco they were supposed to and they were pocketing the money. So my father got all the different kind of, I don't what would you call them? tribes or flavours of Indians mm, mm, together mm, with mm. the common language of Swahili uh, and call things to order and, um, I guess, managed our horrific... Meanwhile, we were in refugee camp in the UK, managed all of that and held it together.
0: So so you left, he stayed behind, you knew that he was on this so-called death list.
1: Yeah. we, You know, he basically said goodbye
0: yeah. and
1: we didn't know whether we'd see him. And what was the outcome? He got smuggled to Italy at the last minute. And we thought that we'd meet him in Kenya. So my mother and my brother and I were born in Uganda. He was born in Kenya. And our family's from Goa, they are Goan Catholics. Mm. So he was supposed to go to Kenya. And then somehow we were supposed to get to him in Kenya and um, live a good life. Before that, we were supposed to go to Goa. But my grandparents, when they fled to Goa, realised that there is no longer a Goa. It's been taken over by India and all our properties been nicked. So it was, you know, so they were waiting to pick him up at the airport on the, to go to Kenya. Um, everyone knew he was going to Kenya. He had Kenyan passports and all mm-hmm. that. But they swapped his papers, made him stateless, and he was an enemy of the state. That was the term. um and they just smuggled him over to italy and he got useful in italy for a while um and then they let him in the uk
0: so when you say they smuggled him this is some sort of underground like he was people he
1: was he was working with the united nations and the red cross helping them out and working with them right Um, and the red cross kind of kept us in touch who's where and what's going on but you know, I don't know the details, but somehow, you know, the who's who of the goodies and the baddies side can be quite complicated, I guess. Yeah. And also, I guess maybe I filled in gaps or I didn't ask. I was a traumatised child trying to hold it together. Yeah. So all those details, it was like, you know, I remember in refugee camp, um, us getting a phone call and it, my mother was called and it was my father and she was in shock. It's like, what are you doing in Italy? Couldn't go to Kenya, they would have killed me. Now what are we going to do?
0: Dunno. <laughs> <So when you laughs> but talk-
1: what a relief, we're, we're all alive.
0: Exactly, in different places but all alive. alive. But this is what, mm. what created the PTSD.
1: I wonder, because before that, there was, um, I guess, female enmeshment, where I was the golden boy, so godmother, mother, grandmother, responsible for the emotions of women mm. um, and not re- shouldn't be like the men, should be different, should be more sensitive, should be this. And with all of that, it was quite confusing um, because it felt like I was carrying a heavy
0: load. What um, do you mean the not- gold boy, um, Kenny? Do you mean that there were, cer- I mean, it sounds to me like there were certain expectations of you. Yeah, the
1: favourite one. <laughs> The favourite one cannot afford a frown, leave alone Mm -hmm. a telling off. Mm. Um, And I would say my work with men now, the hardiest, most powerful, strongest, most stable of men cannot afford even a slight withdrawal, leave alone the criticism of a woman, Um, because generally early men turn into scared little boys it's Mm. a a man's wish i believe is to go from um birth to death avoiding humiliation and abandonment Mm. that's the scared little boy surviving and i was the scared little boy surviving and i would say i work with scared little boys and girls surviving every day of my life and i guess the key of what i do is introduce them to the able adult inside of them so the child is safe and they can listen to the protector rather than be controlled by a protector who is costing a life because it's all about survival and have access to the soul, the spirit, the intuition, nature, etc. Mm-hmm. But I lost my father. Um, I was bred not to trust the men uh, because they're all wrong and the women are all right and I have to take care of the women and I was obviously mistrusted by the children so where did it, you
0: get that idea from that the men were all wrong and the women the women
1: right. the women
0: the women in your life, <laughs> your life. right okay. and
1: you could say that further on from there and it's it's not neither here or there whether it's true or not it really mm. doesn't matter these are different mm. people on different paths with different issues, yeah. uh, and maybe a lot who don't think about uh, think for themselves. I mean, if I look at the media mm. in the Western world, maybe the world over, generally, men are idiots. Men are scared little boys. Men are buffoons. There's the odd hero, but usually it's an alpha male, bit of a dick type guy, really, yeah. um, who might be good as a first husband for a short while, but it's probably <laughs> not going to be a good family man or father or provider.
0: <laughs> yeah, No, you're right. Do you know what? I mean, you've made me um, think I'm estranged from my father, but my father is, you know, he would have said he was the biggest feminist and and supporter of women because he said the same thing. Men are all, you know, we're all ridiculous. Um, and mm. we've run after the wrong things in life. And, you know, women are where it's at.
1: mm. And what I've realized is, for me, one of the main differences between a man and a boy is a man includes his feminine side, which means there's not just scared boys making a noise, but there are loving men able to listen. And it's not just panic and react as boys can be. It's more like breathe and be present. And able to respond and I guess I cha- changed the responsibility on my shoulders for the women for my brother for public face for being a nice Catholic boy the mm. town I was brought up in in Wales after refugee camp we were the only people of colour so to an extent I represented the United Nations mm. and I'd better do a good job so yeah. with all of that kind of survival and putting on a good show I had to learn to live and to show up and be my own authentic man. So for me, it's not about am I, am I safe, am I going to be abandoned or in trouble? It's yeah. more I am. I'm in alignment with myself and I'm able to meet life and grow.
0: Yeah, I've got a couple of questions um, that have just come to mind. First of all, where was the refugee camp and how long were you there for?
1: The first one was in Eccleshaw in Staffordshire. Um, yeah. And I think it was just a matter of weeks. And then when my father came, doesn't really add up, my father came in the country a few months later,
0: mm.
1: then we were in his refugee camp for a while.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and that was, I think that was, I can never remember. I think that was roughly Midlandsey or something. I can never remember yeah. where his yeah. was.
0: So his he was a bit of a genius. blur. He did come he came in.
1: Me. Yeah, yeah. That
0: must have been the most incredible reunion, wasn't it?
1: In a way. In another way, mm. it was a bit weird. We we'd all been through so much
0: mm.
1: um, that I'm not sure that we recognized each other.
0: Gosh. How long were so, you apart yeah. at that point?
1: Months. But you know, I think it's more about experience than time. Mm. Because it's like the refugee camp, it feels like I lived there for years, at least months, but it was only weeks. Mm. It feels like we used to go down the road in a van to the local women's prison because that was the, the local church that we'd go to. Mm. So I didn't know much about England. You know, it was all kind of women's prison to me, but I didn't notice that. And it felt like I did that for a long time. So it feels like it's not about length of same as love. Mm. I can love someone so deeply and so quickly, and I can know people for years, if not decades, and never meet that place of love or connection or safety or openness or whatever it is.
0: Yeah. So
1: yeah, it's the quality.
0: Isn't that and
1: perfect? I mm, and I would say. The most efficient thing that I've learned to do in my life and as a main tool that I teach everyone, um, you know, not just clients, but people who hold um, groups and stuff is to be able to breathe into the feeling rather than avoid the feeling and get into the head and figure it out. But breathe into the feeling and then follow the feeling. And in a split second, it's always taken me to my depressed pause button. And I know that I'm never angry or upset for the reason I think I am. But Mm -hmm. when I breathe and I follow the feeling back, then I know exactly where my broken spirited child is waiting Mm -hmm. for the man in me to breathe him safe and let that part of my dark shadow go Mm -hmm. so the gold can open up.
0: Yeah, so let's talk about that as well. I mean, what... I hear from you, really. And this is what, you know, this is what we generally say, don't we, with men, is that we are afraid yet to show the vulnerability. And I think some women, too, obviously, it's about knowing that we have that vulnerable side and being able to understand that we break, we mend, we feel into it, we grow. It's actually not being able to show that vulnerability, which causes the pain and, um, you know, changes relationships for the worse and makes people ill, actually, doesn't it?
1: I would. Yeah, I totally agree. It makes people ill um, and it repeats Groundhog Day. Yes. Um, and it, it really, I, I believe, is turning a life of survival, dying in control mm-hmm. rather than living and being out of control. But I wonder whether it is about, I think one step back is most men and boys who I know Mm. um, and who I've met, and there must be thousands, I've been holding groups for about 23 years or something. Mm. um, They were never safe enough to say what they needed to say Mm. or feel what they needed to feel. And if the safety is not there, then surely it would be bonkers to take the lid off, fall apart, and not have any model or anyone to hold it or any model of how to work it through. So why would anyone speak if no one's listening?
0: or What if they're gives going them to that eat? safety, Kenny? What gives them that safety?
1: Well, during lockdown, we started... Well, on the day of lockdown, we started with our daily uh, men's groups online, and they carry on today. And what it is is being in it together rather than there being a hierarchy mm. or someone who's going to save or fix or tell or laugh. It's being in it. And what I mean by being in it is we're all in it together, including the facilitator. It's non-hierarchical. Mm. And everyone checks it in with the name, how they feel right now and what's going on. And then we know where it's going to go. Mm. And where it goes for some or all, is this is my current drama or this is what's haunting me or this is what's come up for me or this is what I'm angry or upset about or this is what's happening in my work or relationship and then because we're all in it together mm-hmm. on the same side le- willing to share who and how we are and learn from each other's experience rather than keeping our cards to our chests mm-hmm. Then we get to hear from each other and learn from each other's failures and successes. Yeah. And then we don't have to all fall down the same hole. But just the way that people show up honestly will allow someone to tell them the truth and be safe enough to follow the feeling back and say, this is what I remembered. This is what I, I, This is where I dare not go until mm-hmm. now. This is the place that I thought I'd take to my grave. And a line that we use is we name it rather than we shame it or blame it. And naming it is saying, This is it. This is what I feel. This is what I think. This is what I know. This is what I remember. Where so many men and women, but it's definitely a male thing from childhood shame, men are shamed into silence. And it's very easy to blame idiomine or The church or the government or whoever my abuser is or whoever smothered you know it doesn't go that far fine Mm. to know the story but living beyond the story is meeting myself in that place of vulnerability Mm. and having other people in the room or on zoom being able to meet themselves in their place so we can be there together It's not process it. It's meeting myself there. And the deeper I can go in myself, the deeper a space I can hold, even silently.
0: Mm. It's interesting. That's
1: what changes everything.
0: Yeah. And I'm just listening to what you're saying. And a couple of times now, since, you know, when you've been talking, I've been thinking that's women, too. You know, that is women, too having been shamed, maybe, or been, you know, leading a life out of alignment, because they thought they should, or, you know, I often go back to to, to my childhood, similar to you, actually, age seven, life sort of uh, fell apart for me, and the adults in my life became out of control. And You know, for me, I thought I needed to be in control. I needed to look after everybody. I needed to save Mm. everyone. Um, I needed, you know, I used my sport to control all of that. So when I hear you talk, you know, I I think we do have this idea that men don't open up as much as women, but we're all suffering in the same way, aren't we?
1: In a way. um, I think boys have testosterone and... Yeah. Um, there's a lot of unruly energy mm. that ha- ha- hasn't been held. Boys haven't very often been held by the men in their lives, fathers, grandfathers, whatever. Mm. And it could be the war and things that shut down from the war. Yes. It could be God knows what addiction, depression, what, what, what's gone on, mm. um, f- poverty, or extreme wealth. Um, And I guess I work with both. Mm. Um, And men can't imagine for one second what it must be like to have female hormones. Mm -hmm. How could we? We are different in so many ways. Mm. With the testosterone, it's so quick. And the only thing that exists in front of me, that exists is in front of me. Where with women, it's a lot more expansive. It's a lot slower. It's a lot more naturally nurturing because there's awareness of more than one one thing in a gentle way. I Mm. believe that we are built differently and it's not right or wrong. There's a lot in common, but it comes to a stage, or it's definitely come to a stage for me Mm. where I would always go to the women for safety, but then I needed to be my own man. Mm. And if I continued going to the women, then I would be mothered and smothered and, reasoned, and I didn't want smothering or mothering or even for things to be okay anymore.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I needed to know myself, and I needed to be around the quality company, the, the quality of company of people mm-hmm. who were on a similar path so we could share the journey in that way. Mm-hmm. So it's not all about talking and feeling good. It's about taking part and sharing the good and the bad and the ugly yeah I think so, so much in common but yeah, very different as well you
0: are you're right about the hormones obviously because men are getting every 15 minutes you're getting a you know you're getting a pump of your testosterone and while it does sort of tail off a bit more or less that doesn't change over over your life you know obviously it does it does tail off but For women, obviously, we have different stages of our cycle when we are, you know, full on nurturing, when our energy is good, stages in our cycle where we're much more tired, um, you know, stages in our cycle where we're far more energised. And then obviously, we do reach a hiatus in our life where all of those chemicals do change. Um, mm. and actually we are not so up for that nurturing we've done all that and it's almost mm. like forget the the physical symptoms of the menopause but it's like hold on a minute now life needs to be something different it is time for me but I guess well, what outward look don't they more do
1: just before we came on the call I was on a call with Venetia, who runs alternative she's one of the co-directors and mm. It's quite often that she tells me of very well-known, powerful, incredible women Mm. whose lives changed and stepped into what they do and what they offer in the world at menopause. Yeah. Um, And what I've often said as well is one of the tragedies that men lack from especially older women is the crone energy, which can see through the bullshit. (laughs) And just name it. Can look into the shadow yeah. um, and name it in a way that helps the man along his way, rather than feeling criticised or told off. Um, and I don't know what it is, whether it's social media and everyone should be Barbie-esque or something. But the few women I know who can hold that space and mm. tell that truth with absolute unconditional love, and that's masculine energy. Yes, and it I is. believe. Yeah. Men get more feminine as they grow older, and they become the wise, gentle grandfathers. Mm. And women get more masculine, and they can—you know—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's, it's a journey for all of us. Yeah. And men don't have a, a huge education about our own bits, our all, own hormones and energies. Mm. Leave alone that of women. Yeah. Um, not women,
0: Kenny. Nor really. do women. I mean, Isn't
1: that tragic? Do
0: you know what? I did a podcast. Um, I did. I do a live um, into LinkedIn with Pieta, who runs um, a women's exercise group, and we did a session yesterday just on hormones, and we know. That as women, not not many of us are able to say, bang, there I am in my cycle now. This is what it means for me. This is how I should adjust. This is you know, how I should feel into this. This is what sort of exercise I should be doing. This is how to balance the sympathetic with the parasympathetic. We don't do that. And mm. and I know, funnily enough, I was just looking. Davina's doing a program on Channel Four this week, and um, hers is all about the fact that most of us in my generation, anyway, were banged on the pill around alleged mm. age 11, 12, to be able to carry mm. on my exercise and everything else. And my goodness, what an effect that's had on us! So when yeah. you say that that most women I know don't understand all of our cycles and what that means for us, and How to manage the phases. So if we don't understand it, how could we possibly expect our partners and you guys to understand it?
1: And this is why we all need to be talking. Um, And because I don't think it can be understood. I think it just needs to be shared. The journey needs to be shared. Yeah. Because it's going to change. It's always going to change. And if it ain't one thing, it might be another. Yeah. You know, who knows? It might be the full moon or the hormones or the change in weather or the insomnia or some sort of a flashback from the past that's doing an Engelbert Humperdinck saying, please release me, let me know, because it's time for the next level of your pathway. And here's your worm, this is the gatekeeper. (laughs) (laughs) But if we're not talking, then not only do we not know, but then we can't share the journey and celebrate it and pass it on.
0: Yeah, and we're all individual within that, Kenny. You know, I should say that. You know, again, we talk about cycles for women and men in terms of the, the delivery of, you know, testosterone every fifteen minutes. But we are all individual. So some women, although we are meant to go by a twenty-eight day cycle, I don't really know anyone who does. We're either twenty-one or thirty-five, or mm. you know. So you mentioned the moon there. It's easier to track by phases of the moon to understand mm. what we need to be doing, but. We don't, we're on a, we're on a treadmill. So instead of stopping to feel and really to understand where we are and connect with that, our male, our female, we just keep going, don't we? So the stop is so important.
1: And I'm not sure that it actually matters that much male or female. It's more individual on the path, able to share with people who can meet us.
0: Yeah.
1: And I have, you know, um newsweek wrote a chapter about me and called it the man whisperer which is where the man whisperer thing comes from
0: right um
1: and the media love that i work with men and i have success because not a lot of people do um including the charities the mental health charities etc can't retain or really work with or meet the men so the media like the man whisperer thing i probably right now have 50 50 male and female clients Mm. um and I love and in the feng shui days when I used to use feng shui as the front for my work, it was a it was more like probably ninety five percent female clients. Mm. And as I changed something in myself, suddenly it was like eighty percent male clients within a couple of months. So things mm-hmm. change in that way, yeah. but I feel that rather than it, it's more like. Um, Who are you and where are you right now? Mm -hmm. And what do we have in common that needs to be shared so we can learn from each other Mm -hmm. um, and and pass it on? Well, I've got um, from this Wednesday, actually, uh, once a week we're going to have a woman holding a breakout room in one of the daily men's groups, Mm -hmm. because why not? And there are enough women who work with men and are doing an amazing job. I've yeah. trained a lot of women to hold men's and women's and whatever other groups. And the women's groups are absolutely wonderful. Yeah. So lucky that I get let in. Um, so, yeah, it's both of us together mm. um, in whatever shape or form and wherever we're coming from, mm. sharing the journey. Yeah, Not necessarily sharing a history or values, but finding out.
0: Yeah. And as we were talking about the weekend, it's the energy that you're giving off and that you need back at any time, isn't it? I I feel lucky enough to work with men and women as well. And it's very, very different. I have to say, it is. I do find it very different. And obviously, again, individuals, but, um, but I, I do feel lucky to have that mix. It is fantastic. Kenny, can I just come back to, you know, the reason you do what you do, I guess, is because you did have the undoing of all of those I don't know. In, in inverted commas, I'm going to call them challenges: the PTSD, the OCD, mm-hmm. the Tourette's itself. So, how did that manifest itself, really? And how did you, as you, in your own words, open the dark shadow to heal that? Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I had, I had to stop embarrassing myself. <laughs> <laughs> Because I was twitching and grunting and picking at myself and um, I couldn't do a lot of things because of the OCD. Mm. Um, Cooking, clean, I couldn't count. I had, um, what do you call it, dyscalculia.
0: Yes, Um, yes, my son does that.
1: Really, and also weight, distance, time, all of that. I I couldn't survive in this world. Gosh. Um, And I moved to London to launch an advertising paper called Luke, and I just ran out of stupid excuses about why I, the last excuse I had was, well, you know, the traffic wasn't moving for so long. And finally, someone went to the front of the queue and found a man dead at the steering wheel. He must have had a heart attack. And that's why I'm late for work today. And they oh still my didn't sack
0: goodness, me Kenny. <laughs> but oh, i
1: couldn't goodness. i could Creativity, not say though.
0: <laughs>
1: how many hail marys did that cost yes, and I i, say. Couldn't, <laughs> say. <laughs> oh, I couldn't say that well a hair on my arm touched the tile so i had to do the shower and the bath and then disinfect this and do that and then tap three times and And then because I was so busy in my head, I had to go back and check that I locked locked the door and blah, blah, blah. Obviously. It's torture,
0: Kenny. It's torture, isn't it?
1: It it owned my life.
0: How long for? How long was that period of your life?
1: Pre-teens until 30s. (gasps) And the dyscalculia only left four years ago. That was the one I had for the longest. But. I basically had to unlearn and undo these things, mm. and if I could do them for myself, then of course I can pass it on to people. Mm. If I could meet myself there and undo it, and I didn't. These most of these things have got posh names now. They didn't have any names in those days. It was just a boy being stupid and a bit weird. Um, and also, I guess I needed to live. I needed to live. Um, I didn't want to lie. I didn't want to blag. I didn't want to be enmeshed in relationships. So I do certain things, and other people do other things that I can't do because of the OCD or whatever. So how so, do
0: you do it, Kenny? Because these are things, you know, like mm. dyslexia, dyscalculia is is almost mm. the equivalent. So you, so really, most people I know have that for life. So
1: yeah, I thought I did.
0: What did you do to undo all of that?
1: I had to learn to follow the feeling back and meet myself in the places of the dark shadow.
0: And what triggered that, though, Kenny? What, I mean, how did someone know (laughs) to start that?
1: (laughs) Well, yeah, I tried anything really. (laughs) When going to your
0: deep OCD and your your pathological lying, because you had to, you know, you couldn't tell people the truth. How do you get from there to? feeling into you know who you are I don't know how you did that
1: neither do I it was one of the things that I remember that worked that I've kept including learning to breathe Mm. Um, I had to learn to breathe and meet myself there I was so in my head and I was an addict I was addicted to my thoughts and feelings or avoiding my feelings by having my thoughts and it was all survival so I needed to start living so I learned to meet myself in, my, in the dark shadow. I learned to meet my child who was in trauma with the man in me, rather than offering him to any Tom, Dick and Harriet to save for me. Mm. Um, so I had to learn how to know and adjust be- between the different parts of myself and do a bit of time travel. Sorted.
0: Was there a, was there a a trigger or a a point that we always you know I always say to people when the pain gets enough you'll do something. Was there a point that you remember a day or an occasion like that where you just thought, "Right, oh, I can't do this anymore." And and it no, was
1: no. Just... I think I think it was just so shit for so long that that was normal rather than there being a thing. Yeah. Um. So, no. And. You know, after Catholicism, I studied theosophy because there's more. I've always known there's more. Mm. I guess I can say this year at Soul Hub in the early days, very early days, um, there was the whole weird psychic stuff kicking off, visitations and communications and God knows all of that, that mm. I shouldn't talk about. Um, and I was trying to figure out which world was which. Mm. And not to be found out, because if I know someone's going, something's going to happen to someone, then maybe i killed them or I should have stopped it. So surely I'm the guilty one. So there was all of that to work out in my head as well. When did that
0: start, Kenny? When did that start?
1: Oh, as soon as I could talk, I was saying things, apparently, but not knowing that it was anything weird, stating the bleeding obvious.
0: Right. Obvious to you because you were feeling it and you were channeling it, I suppose, is what we would say.
1: I guess, but it, again, it was just normal. It was just my normal. It was mm-hmm. all my normal. Um, and I just wanted to be an invisible, ordinary bloke. Yeah. So I needed to unlearn everything on the quiet, and not be found out yeah. and try and be as invisible and ordinary bloke as possible. And yeah. I didn't know what therapy was. I just had a lot to work out. Mm. Um, do you maintain that
0: sidekick side kenny sorry you mean have you maintained that sidekick
1: yeah but it's good to have boundaries now then it owned me and it was shocking it was horrible now there are boundaries and i can work with it and it can work with me so it's not shocking or horrible and it's great the way for example um parents with kids who they don't know how to hold and manage through this um, will show up because I don't tell people about I mean, there was once an article in The Sun about Robbie Williams and me, and it was called something like They See Dead People, and there were other people in it as well. But, you know, that's a one-off. And I've am held groups and workshops and things at the College of Psychic Studies. Yeah. It's, it's a normal home. It's just, it's nature. It's being able to work with nature mm. um, in ways that I can't cook or drive it's just different skills in mm. different ways you but, say yeah.
0: but it's not normal for you know most I don't know the, you know the majority of people that are going to be listening to us today but I guess it's it's not normal and it is quite fascinating and mm. um, and I guess we could talk about that more really because you know I would say to you how do you go about putting in boundaries because surely if your psychic, you know, we can't control what, like, or is it like our thoughts in that way that we can control our thoughts?
1: Well, same as, you know, boundaries with living and dead. Basically, at some stage, um, I had you know, they are running out of time, so we could do a part mm-hmm. two, but I had a kind of weird psychic breakdown thing where it was the mid 80s. I was walking down Kilburn High Road, I lived in West Hampson, walking down Kilburn High Road, it was very poor and very irish and ira and very Mm. black and working class and very survival and Mm. street in those days Um, so i was walking down and i realized now that what i what i was it was like tales of the unexpected a flash of something that was going on in in someone's life now and then immediately a flash of something from childhood And it was just happening so quickly and so strong, not normal. That was a a huge one off, but very, very quickly. And by the time I got home, I was on my knees crying because I was carrying so much stuff and I didn't know what it was or what was going on. It's only much later that I realized it's, you know, the the trauma from now. And I guess it's the similar to my follow the feeling back and what needed Mm. to be healed. Um, But I got it. Cut a long story short, I was such a mess after that, that my friend took me to meet a guy. His name was Sid Lazarus. And he used to be a, a, a kind of like razzmatazz performing psychic and healer, but he stopped all that and he was on his path. Mm-hmm. And he, that was the first time I could speak with someone properly about this who wasn't saying, come on stage and let's channel the dead. It's yeah. like, I didn't want to be doing stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. I didn't want to be a spiritual tur- church golden boy or any golden boy i just wanted to be ordinary tom dick or harry yeah um but it was then that i realized with this guy that basically i can say right from now on you do not show yourself you do not show up in my space you do not change the temperature you do not do any funny business to freak me out if there is something really really important and there's danger fine then show me something if you must but mm. i'm doing the human thing now so the boundary is you can be with me all the time but you don't show me you can put questions in my mouth you can whisper little things mm. so i'm aware but it's not right that i know other people's business and i don't even know if they know those details of their lives mm. assuming that they're true so they needed to be very strict boundaries. For my survival, for me to do my work and be supported, and not stealing other people's pathways um, or experience, mm. because it's about their experience. When I earn something, it belongs to me. If someone else fixes it or tells me the answer, it doesn't belong to me. It's just information. It's not an option for me to steal other people's experience. So, yeah.
0: Interesting, Kenny. I didn't
1: expect that to... bit to come in.
0: <laughs> no. So are you saying that it's generally one voice that you tend to channel? No. It's not It's many, but this was one yeah. in particular that you put the boundaries in or had the conversation no, with? No, it,
1: it, it was more like, or you lot.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've got
1: you. Uh, uh, what really works for me and my favourite way that they communicate these days is my inner DJs. They will play a tune, and it will be exactly what I need to know to come from the right place or listen to the words or the feeling or something, and Mm -hmm. that is absolutely brilliant guidance. And Mm -hmm. now I can be Columbo in the normal way of Columbo rather than Peter Falk in Wings of Desire, where it was opening up all the other realms of Columbo. I can be as normal a human and take part in this way and build the bridge because I feel a huge thing that's going on Mm. is the world is falling apart because it needs to fall together differently. Yeah. So I can do my bit and take part in the world from my perspective to help it come together again in a way of love Mm. and community, which Mm. is what we were talking about before.
0: Mm. Would you say there's a difference, Kenny, between... The, the the psychic, um, uh, you know, I'm not. I, I, is it a skill? What do we call it? The psychic element of your being, and you know, highly sensitive people. Which I'd say nearly everyone I've interviewed, and most of us in Soul Hub are probably very highly sensitive people. It's a step beyond that, isn't it? Yeah,
1: yeah. And I could say whether it's with a client or a friend or in a group or a psychic or a highly sensitive person what's important first and foremost is that they're held safely and able to open up, Mm -hmm. owning their path and with boundaries, because otherwise it's overwhelming, it's too much. And hopefully they wouldn't do that to people. And I believe that life always sends me signs and temptations, not because it's not on my side, but to see how much I can take and how to guide me and how, how I can dance the merry dance with life rather than surviving life. Mm-hmm. And they know that this is how much. This temptation is something I considered or fell for. Therefore, give this and not that. And I know that with my clients and the work I do, as I do the next phase of my own development, mm-hmm. I get the next batch or layer of clients. And it could be a quality. Or it could be a certain issue of, I don't know, abandonment, abuse, yeah. bereavement or whatever the, the, the specific. Sometimes it can be so specific, mm. the flavour that's going on for these this this next few weeks or months. And, with and that's the
0: quantum physics of energy, isn't it? And yeah. it reminded me of what you said earlier, you know, the merry dance is breaking the addiction on survival, isn't it?
1: Exactly. Exactly what you said,
0: <laughs> Jenny. I, I want to just ask you so you know, you've been doing this as you said earlier many years, you've connected with thousands of people. Is there a next phase for you? What happens next?
1: Um, I'm going to be 60 next year, which to me is a bit of a joke because I've, I'm 34 inside, but it's also absolute permission to pass everything on. I want to pass. Everything I have onto people. So, you know, my trainings are credited to whole groups. I think it's the only one. Um, the ebook was good. Now I'm going to put out an online training. Mm-hmm. I train um, housemasters and students in a private school, which is mm-hmm. great. Um, I train people in corporates. I train people. I want to get into the NHS. Mm-hmm. It's just quite simply passing on the tools to create conscious community that would be more supervision less clients and next year is the dragon year i'm I'm a dragon so it's the year where i ought to flaunt myself like crazy be a little star put you know kind of be the front person to pass things on and then similar to whoever it was that started aa get forgotten about because it's (laughs) About, I worked with Mother Teresa a couple of times, and Mother Teresa said exactly mm. the same thing if I need to be the front person mm. so people will know what's going on and understand the work, then I'll do that. And that gave me permission to be a shameless show off. <laughs>
0: Uh, you know what? It makes me think on when we did meet this weekend, and you know, the first night we were all together again. You know, we did we did centre around you. I did. I did feel that. But um, <laughs> oh, I didn't even notice.
1: That's you really bad. To...
0: <laughs> That's the red wine, Kenny. That's the. Red wine you <laughs> but um, yeah, a lovely, lovely energy. Can I um? Can I also ask you? Because Carmen always asks me to 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 ask everybody I interview. You know, you are part of Soul Hub and I don't know what that means to you, but maybe tell us what does, you know, you've got all this other stuff going on. What does Soul Hub give you? And secondly, what makes you soulful?
1: Mm. Um, the community that we are and the depth and playfulness and shared values that we are um, mm. is very, very important to me. Um it would be pointless for all us all to move in together because I kind of feel like we're here to be separate and take part in the world and be who we are, be the love and share the love. Yeah. So it's community for me, conscious community that's yeah. caring and sharing um, and being soulful for me. Um, I'm looking out the window and looking at the sea, and, you know, it's really weird how I couldn't wait to get rid of this, get get away from this boring countryside town and now i just notice how beautiful it is i literally especially you know strange thing to say in the last two or three months i have noticed nature and literally got high like weirdly there's been a a shum maybe i'm grounded enough to be able to get high but i've i've opened up so much more um, through connecting with nature connecting with people Mm -hmm. connecting with love um, and being around pennies dropping like it's some one arm bandit arcade it's Mm -hmm. that coming alive on the edge coming alive and it's courageous because it's out of control but being vulnerable enough to be powerful enough to be who i am and just casually pass it on at parties without realising how loud the red wine has got.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And I have to say the best pizza. I'm not even a pizza fan. Wasn't it? (laughs) pizza just made by a neighbour that I've ever had in my absolute life. So if you are passing Lorenny in Wales and it's Friday night, just go and ask who's making pizza because (laughs) my goodness me. I came back and said to my two boys who are just um, absolute pizza lovers and they know I'm not. Guess what I had on Friday night and it was the best ever. Kenny, I've got one other question. I just want one last question before we close and we could go on and on and on. But you were talking earlier about, we were talking about passing things on and you were saying, you know, I don't know how the world is going to change and you wanted to be there to build a good world. What does that look like for you?
1: Um, The street that I was brought up in, it's called Hjolovellin. I didn't realise we were all poor, but we were just naturally, normally caring and sharing and playing and fighting. And if we caught loads of fish fishing as we did, everyone in the fish in the street had fish. Mm. And my parents still live there. And everyone has apples and everyone just shares what they've got without thinking. Mm. And it's just normal. Mm. It's just no. It's not smart or clever. Mm. It's just not nasty. It's normal, caring, sharing, love. It's not enlightened. It's mm. normal. Maybe on a path, maybe not. Accepting. Yeah.
0: So yeah, should be our go-to, shouldn't it? Mm. Should be our go-to, and in places like Icaria, you know, one of the blue zones where. They have more centenarians. It's all about connection. They're in and out of each other's houses. They share everything. Everything is shared.
1: Everyone had the key on a string. So you just open the letterbox, pull the string and use the key. Otherwise, what you think you're special that we have to come and open the door for you. We were watching Coronation Street.
0: Yeah. Do you know what that's put (laughs) me in mind of something else of the weekend? You remember they had the most beautiful local shop. And and mm. Gary was saying to us that you know there's no key. We all just go in and we trust that we're all honest. We've all just got yeah. a fob, and you either yeah. what you say you've either got the fob or you haven't. You know you're either let in and you're part of that community where everybody trusts you. You're putting yeah. you're taking goods, or you're not. That's what we want, isn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: We want a bit of that.
1: <sighs> Inner DJs are playing Dion Warwick now. Wow. <laughs> The world. (laughs) Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Kenny, we will have to do a part two. It's um I think you're absolutely right. This this was right that we spoke today after we've met at the weekend. And I know that we're going to meet lots more and build lots together as um as Soul Hub, which is um where we all need to be and want to be. But it's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything else that we want to say or you want to say that I haven't asked you that we can't leave? before we go
1: no 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 i feel i feel well cooked
0: good all right we'll <laughs> come back for a part two, but for now thank you so much for your openness and your honesty and for bringing you know some real gold to today's podcast
1: perfect to hang out with you catch you soon
0: thank you kenny
1: bye